for the first time. In nearly two decades, Disney Chris has stepped foot on Disney property. The 2018 Disney Chris Walt Disney World Trip Report. Cricket is the name. I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow, always getting in wrong for singing my song. A merry old soul am I. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'll be hanging around this evening. I'll be tipping my hat and telling you that Jiminy Cricket is the name. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 90 of Jiminy Crickets. And for this episode, as you just heard in our intro, we're going to talk about my return to Disney parks after 18 years of not having stepped foot on Disney property. And as you can probably also tell, I had quite a heck of a time because I'm losing my voice. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said... I wanted to have a special guest on this week because he actually did all of the planning for me for my trip and he did a fantastic job and he has actually now become the official travel planner of the Jiminy Crickets podcast. How are you doing, Mike? Great. Thanks for having us, Chris. So, Mike, tell our audience a little bit about what your company does and what service you provide for Disney vacationers. Absolutely. So our company is Concierge, so kind of like Mouse Ears, and that's spelled C-O-N-C-I-E-A-R-S. And uh, you Mm -hmm. can find us on the web at concierge.com, on Facebook, and pretty much anywhere uh, social media is out there. And Mm -hmm. uh, basically, we take the standard Disney booking process and try to go the extra mile with it. So, you know, Disney's got some great software and website and and a great phone number, and you can call and easily book your Disney vacation. But why would you do that when you could call us over at Concierge, and we can do the exact same thing and then walk beside you as you Mm -hmm. prepare for your vacation? You know, we don't book you and forget you, as you know, Chris. We we follow up and and answer all those small questions and and those uh, everything from fast passes, the big questions like fast passes and restaurants to... Uh, you know, what about uh, renting a wheelchair or a scooter or, mm-hmm. you know, what if we have this uh, special situation in our family? And so mm-hmm. we we uh, get away from that idea of booking and forgetting you, which is kind of, you know, what the traditional travel agent does. You know, 
They right. book you. In and fact, you don't like to be referred to as an agent because that's not what you do. Absolutely. You're a planner. We hate that term. We're planners. Right. And so uh, we use a lot of third-party software as well, looking at uh, everything from crowd calendars uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, best use of fast passes, those kind of things. And, uh, right. yeah, so we just love to help families um, create those magical Disney uh, vacations, the things that, you know, that we grew up on that meant so much to us. Uh, we love helping people uh, design that for their families. Yes, and I would have to say that in my case, I had very specific requirements for my trip. There was a set time that I needed to go. It was sort of on short notice, and there were some challenges because of that, and there were also some challenges because I have difficulty walking. So Mike really did a phenomenal job of dealing with those challenges and coming up with solutions to everything and for the most part my trip was phenomenal and everything was pretty much perfect as far as hotel stay and fast passes and and knowing what to expect and you know not having been to Disney for 18 years I had never dealt with fast passes not even legacy fast passes Mm -hmm. so I had a lot to learn and you remember when we set those up Chris we spent probably an hour on the phone just talking through scenarios, you know, and, and that right, kind of stuff. Right, exactly. And, and uh, your Disney, you know, most travel agents aren't going to spend an hour on the phone helping you, no. you know, figure out the minutia of stuff. And that was just one of, a, you know, a few phone calls we had to discuss things. Right. And, and, and that's our passion is making sure that we take the, uh, the concern and, and the guesswork out of it. Uh, right. We use, you know, we're, we're AP holders. We have AP holders on staff, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to get you the best experience possible. Yeah, and so much has changed in the parks, and we'll get into that, that what I knew to be the case in 1999 when I went to the parks the last time, mm-hmm. a lot of those things that I thought were fact had are no longer true because... The fast pass system has turned everything on its head and the crowds have gotten a lot larger than what they once were. So, I mean, Mike really helped me make wise decisions and kind of taught me, you know, not just about fast passes, but when I couldn't get a fast pass, he had insider knowledge about, you know, where to go at what time and what to do. And just overall, very impressed with the the service that he provided and the other terrific thing that you didn't mention is that it doesn't cost you anything to use yeah. his service. It's completely free, so why would you do all the work yourself when you can have Mike plan it all out for you like that and it doesn't cost you a nickel? It's um it's really a wonderful service he provides. So definitely listeners, if you're planning on a trip to not just Walt Disney World, but any Disney place except for the Asian parks because Disney doesn't own the Asian parks, so Mike doesn't work with those parks. But if you're planning to go to Europe, Adventures by Disney, the Alani Hotel in Hawaii he does, of course Disneyland. Cruise Line. Disney Cruise Line, yeah. So definitely think about Mike because he'll make everything so much easier for you guys. Totally can't say enough. Yeah, and I'll tell you, most people don't realize that uh, they, they think when they go to work with a planner or an agent or something like that, it's going to cost them more. 
And uh, yeah. the thing I always encourage people is, if you want, go ahead and jump on the Disney site, see what Disney's going to mm-hmm. charge you, and then contact us and say, hey, this is the price I found, this is the room we like, you know, right. and we'll have the exact same pricing because we work directly through Disney, we're authorized right. by them. And then we also kind of put you into like a third-party system that we use that sends mm-hmm. us notifications if Disney throws out like a special that's going to affect your rate. And then we can rebook right. you if, if necessary. So you don't have to So you have an advantage mm-hmm. of being the first in the know. And then, like, we get the advantages of that. And right. yes, my sister, who paid for the entire trip for me, it was a gift for me. I could never afford it on my own. She paid for basically everything. She was very skeptical about using a travel planner. She's just a skeptic when it comes to things like that. Mm-hmm. But so she did exactly what you said. She looked into it herself to compare what you were telling us with what Disney was telling us. And she found what you just said to be exactly the case. And when she noticed that the pricing was identical, she was like, yeah, this is great. No worries. So she was totally comfortable with the whole situation. And she even told me that she just couldn't say enough about how great you were because you went and I'll say, I'll get more to it when we get to the main topic, because we're still kind of in the pre-show phase. <laughs> but um, the things you did for us that you didn't have to do, but you did them anyway, because you were working with us, not for us. It was more of a partnership. Yeah. Um, it, it really, my sister was really impressed. And um, I just, I can't say enough. I, I think it was just great. But now that we've ranted and raved, we do have two other people here that I haven't introduced yet. <laughs> On to the good stuff. Will is with us. We haven't heard from Will in some time. How are you doing, Will? Hello. I'm doing awesome, man. Doing really good. Glad to be back on Jiminy Crickets. It has been a while. Yeah. Yes, I think this is your first time in 2018. Oh, it's definitely being on the show. Yeah. And of course, the one, the only, the co-hostess with the mostest, <laughs> Ruthie is here. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing, Ruth? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. I hope everybody's doing well tonight. A little better than me with my froggy throat. But <laughs> <laughs> So let's uh, jump ahead to the main topic. So I uh, was contacted by my sister in early December, asking me if I was planning on going to my niece's wedding. And I wasn't planning on going because I really can't afford it. My niece just so happens to live in Orlando and she was getting married in February. So my sister actually offered to not only pay for me to fly out for the wedding, but also for 10 days uh, trip to Walt Disney World and she offered to pay for the whole thing and I can't thank her enough that was so generous of her and so I can't even believe she did this for me but it's so appreciated and I love her very much for doing that for me she does know that I'm a huge Disney fan and she knows how long it's been since I've been to Disney so she wanted to do something special for me And um, it really was a very special, it's probably a memory I'll never forget. 
Not only the wedding was wonderful, but going to Disney after the wedding was over for all those days, after having been away so long, it was just magical. It was a wonderful experience. However, there were some problems from the get-go because anybody who's planning a Disney trip nowadays, and Mike can attest to this, needs to plan early and plan way ahead, maybe six months or even more. I only found out about it two months ahead, and this caused a few limitations in what we could do. Part of the problem was that the hotels on Disney property were really, really booked. I mean, there was very little left, and um, really all that was left were the higher-end rooms. Like, there was the boardwalk, I think, had some availability. I'm, I'm pretty sure the big three, Polynesian Contempt, but we weren't even thinking about... I mean, my sister's paying for it. I'm not going to ask her to put me up in the Grand Floridian for for 10 days. So, basically, we had to figure out a way for me to stay on property, but for, you know, the, the pricing that I could afford, but there was nothing available the first three days that I was going to be there. So, we had to kind of have me stay off property for the first three nights and then I moved to Disney on the fourth day and um, so Mike did a lot of working and figuring out how to make that happen for me and Mike doesn't get anything out of me staying off property he just did that for me to be a professional great travel planner and so the wedding reception was taking place at a hotel where they had set aside rooms for the wedding party. So that was great. We were going to have me stay there and then move to Disney after I stayed there. It was a very nice hotel. And um, the problem was that it was only available for the first two nights, but not the third night. So I was like in limbo. So there were two options. I could either stay there the two nights and then move to another hotel for the third night and then move to Disney for the fourth night. All this moving around would have been too much for me. So what we decided on was there was a a low-budget hotel actually across the street from the nice ritzy hotel where the wedding was happening. It was the Red Roof Inn. And that's where we decided I would stay because it was walking distance from the reception. And, um, it, you know, it was very, very reasonably priced. Like, less than $100 a night, I think. Uh, right around 100 a night. I don't know exactly. Cause it was right there. under that, but, uh, yeah, you were there during a time where at the convention center there was something going on, and, like, even the off-property stuff was hard to, you know, was hard to find. Right. It was a challenge because they were having the National Cheerleader Convention. Mm-hmm. And that's why Disney was all booked up, too. There were little teenagers running around, cheering everywhere. (laughs) See, Chris, you keep saying you went there for a wedding, but I'm not entirely sure that you weren't down there for the cheerleading competition. I don't don't know. (laughs) Believe me, I could care less about cheerleaders. (laughs) That's the last thing I want to deal with. But anyway, I stayed at the Red Roof. 
And it was a very, 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 very modest, and saying modest is being nice, hotel. It was like the no-tell motel. It was pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> but we didn't know that going in, and it had nothing to do with I mean, Mike was trying to find me a convenient location, and that he did. It was very convenient. And it was clean for the most part. It just wasn't very luxurious or anything. It was just very, very basic. But there were a couple issues I had, and I just thought I'd mention them. And you didn't have a car either, Chris, so and you I, that's something an that was within point. walking distance. And Right, because I don't drive, so I can't even rent a car, so I don't even have a driver's license. So the thing is that not only do I not have a driver's license, I also don't own, well, I do now, but at the time... I didn't own a mobile phone of any kind, not even a flip phone. I had nothing. So when I went into the the room, there was no phone in the room at all. So that night I was going out to the rehearsal dinner, which I took a cab to, and um, I told them on my way out, I have no phone. I had to tell them because I had to have them call the cab for me at the front desk because I didn't have a phone. So they said they were going to take care of it. So when I got home to the hotel, the phone was there, but now the phone didn't work. So basically the whole time I was there, I didn't have any phone in that hotel. And I complained about it four times and they never came to fix it. And so, because I didn't even have a cell phone, I was completely cut off of telling my mother that I had landed safely. My mother was worried to death about me. But, I mean, it was just not professional at all. It was really bad. And then the other thing is, there was a big stain on my bedspread, and then they never replenished my soap or shampoo, so I had to walk across the street to Walgreens and buy shampoo. It was just like, I mean, you don't expect that when you're in a hotel, but. And this is why we like to only work with Disney typically, because, you know, you right. know, you're going to get a certain quality and, and, uh, you know, if, if you need something, you ask for it and it's there, you know, uh, yeah, it's, right. it's, you know, staying off property somewhere like that. You just never know exactly. You never know what you're going to get. And it's like they're, they don't have the Disney standard. They don't answer to the mouse. Yeah. And, the, and the reviews online were horrible about that place. I mean, it was what you would expect for a cheap hotel. But, um, yeah. you know, there was not anything like, oh, my, you know, there's no phone my or phone. anything like that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And also, Will and I were trying to connect. And so Will couldn't get in touch with me. Nope. Because I had no phone. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. So, um... The wedding, just to, as a side note, was absolutely beautiful, and I cried through the entire thing, and my niece looked like a princess. She was gorgeous. Her wedding gown was gorgeous. Her groom looked fantastic and slick, and I didn't even know this, but I have a new grandniece because <laughs> nobody told me. But when I got there to the rehearsal dinner, oh, by the way, this is my husband's daughter. So the person that my niece married has a daughter from a previous marriage. She's, I think she's eight years old. She was absolutely lovely. Her name is Jasmine. 
So cute. So I didn't just get one new member of my family, I got two. <laughs> so that was really nice. And oh my goodness, I cried so much that day. It was just so emotional for me. I tend to be emotional when it comes to things like that. So the other problem I had while staying off property and something that you need to consider if you are thinking about staying off property is if you can't drive and you have to rely on the hotel's shuttle service, it's not the best because they don't just pick you up from your hotel. They pick up from like 10 other hotels. <laughs> oh, I got a story about this. <laughs> oh, tell me. Well, so... Wendell and I, Wendell Jones, who's been on the show, Wendell's my partner in Sideshow Sound Theater, we have done a couple of what we call gorilla Disney trips. Yeah. Where we, Wendell tells me like out of nowhere, hey, I'm flying in in two weeks, you know, can, can you meet me at Disney and blah, 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 and I, I make it happen. But of course, the problem with that is, you know, you can't really get into the Disney hotels usually, or if you do, they're, they're way more expensive than you kind of want them to be. Yeah, so, the only rooms left are the expensive ones. Right, exactly. So what we've right. had to do two times is actually get like one of these off, you know, off the beaten path uh, hotel kind of situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've also had to deal with Disney, you know, non-Disney transportation to the parks. And right. it's usually a guy who drives a bus and the bus yeah. like has a tip jar in the front of it. And, you know, yes. And it's actually, you know, it, I wasn't expecting that. So I didn't have any cash on me. Well, the other, the other thing is, like, they give you a pamphlet and they say, like, okay, you got to be out in front of Epcot at 10.15 or you're not going to get a ride back to your hotel. So, like, things like that, I, I try to stay on property. Like, this trip that yeah. I've got coming in April, I'm going to be on property and stuff like that. But, right. yeah, it's definitely, if you're, if you're not on property or if you're, because if you're on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit better, but you still have to stop at 10 hotels and you don't get right. dropped off in front of the Magic Kingdom. You get dropped off at the Ticket the Transportation, ticket transportation. Center. Yeah, mm -hmm. so... You definitely get a, a better kind of uh, transportation deal because I don't like to drive when I go to Disney. I like to just, yeah. you, you know, you don't you don't need to, you know, if you're staying yeah. on property. So right. I don't I don't drive up there typically. I just take a train up there and I, mm -hmm. you know, don't even deal with it. So save on parking. Um, save on parking. Yeah, the exactly. parking is really expensive. Well, I'm a too. I'm a pass holder, so it's covered in my pass. But yeah. you oh. know, it just there's no need for the there's no there's just no need for your car. If you uh, if you're staying near or on property, but uh, Will, if if you didn't know, Mike, uh, he lives in South Florida, so yeah, he's not nice. too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a two-hour train ride from here to, mm -hmm. to Disney, so it's that's why I typically don't drive up there because there's really yeah. need to. But right, yeah, but I, I definitely feel your pain, man. I've been yeah, there it was Wendell. exactly yeah. the same for me, and with the pickup time and everything. And the other thing yeah. is, they only have one drop-off location, and that was Epcot. Yep. So it's like. If you want to go anywhere else, you have to figure out how to get there. So I wanted to go to the Magic Kingdom that day. I'll get into that in a minute, but basically I had to transfer to a monorail to get to the Magic Kingdom, and then to, from the Ticket and Transportation Center, had to transfer to either another monorail or the ferry boat, you know, the, the whole story. So it was kind of difficult to get to my destination. It was time-consuming. And something else, real quick, Chris, to keep in mind that um, that I've had people deal with is they think that, so let's say they come into town, and what tends to happen is people will book their Disney vacation, or they'll have their dates in mind, and then they'll decide based on flights that they're going to get in, that they can save a few hundred dollars on flights, so they're going to get in a yeah. night early. 
And then they, they right. book at a place, and I had this with a family not too long ago, instead of like asking me, you know, where do you recommend or what, where should we book? Um, or yeah. even seeing if we could extend their Disney one extra day, which probably would have been the best thing. They, mm-hmm. they booked something that was, you know, like three miles away and said, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to just take the, you know, the shuttle over the to shuttle. Disney. Well, come to find out, that shuttle would not allow you to bring luggage on it. It was a strictly to the park and back. They would not allow right. you to take luggage or anything like that. And so they ended up having to, you know, do an expensive Uber or, you know, they had three kids mm-hmm. and all the, you know, all the fixings to go with it. And so um, those Same shuttles are... Same with me when I changed to the Disney Hotel. Right. I was thinking originally that I would take the shuttle to Epcot and then take the bus to my hotel. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to pay. But no, they wouldn't allow luggage. So I had to take a cab. I don't even... Because I don't have a smartphone. I couldn't even do Uber. Yeah. I had to take an old-fashioned cab, which is even more expensive. So it was like a $35 trip from the hotel to where I stayed on Disney, which was the all-star movies. Right. So, I mean, and I had to take, while I was staying at the off-property hotel, I had to take a cab four times. Mm. So I spent like $150 on cabs just in those first three days. Once I was on Disney, I spent not a nickel on transportation. So you have to think, keep that in mind too when you're considering staying off property because the transportation alone might make the difference for the price of the hotel versus the off property versus the price of an on property. There's so many factors that go into it that you need to consider when you're deciding whether or not to stay off or on property. And really to me, even if you pay just a little bit more, it's worth it. It's so much better to stay on property. It's so less stressful. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. you make your money back. I mean, it just just simple things like, you know, say you say you want to go from your hotel to Animal Kingdom. It's like, mm-hmm. bam, it's one shot. You're there in five to ten minutes, and you don't really have to worry about it. Exactly. And, you know, and you get dropped off at the entrance, not, you know, some... Right, especially when you're going to the Magic Kingdom. Right. You don't have to deal with the Ticket and Transportation Center. It's you huge. get dropped off right next to the park. Yeah, not only that, but when you leave after a long day, you don't want to sit on the bus for 30 minutes. You want to go straight back to your hotel. So it, Exactly. That, that so makes it that worth it as well. Stopping at every hotel on the way, you're like, oh, this is a nightmare. Yeah. Thankfully, I only had to do that one day. Because the first day, I went with my sister to Animal Kingdom. So she got an Uber, and my sister and my niece, not the one who got married, but my sister's daughter, who's 14... We went to Animal Kingdom together. We took an Uber there and an Uber back. And the other thing that was a pain and was my experience was the non-Disney buses are not given the honor of having an awning over the waiting area. And my bus didn't come till 11 at night was the pickup time. And I was like, at the Magic Kingdom, first of all, I felt like rushed to leave the Magic Kingdom because I had to make sure I got back in time. The monorail took me back. So I left the Magic Kingdom like around 9, which I really would have loved to have stayed longer, you know. 
But I got back to the bus like around 9.30 and I had to wait an hour and a half for the bus. And it started to pour rain, torrential rainfall. And there was no covering over the waiting area for the non-Disney buses. So I, we all ran to like the waiting area across the street where the Disney buses pick up. And we had to wait there. And then when our bus came, we had to run from the, <laughs> the other place across the street in the pouring rain to get on the bus. It was just like, <laughs> I was not having a good time at that point. That might be why I have no voice right now. Rain in Florida, huh? <laughs> yeah, <crazy. laughs> but the funny thing is that was the first and last time it rained the entire time I was there, which was nice. I never had to deal with rain again. But um, so that was an adventure. And by the next morning, I was so glad to leave that hotel and, and check into Disney. I was just like, ah, <sighs> a nice sigh of relief when I changed hotels. And from then, everything was, like, perfect. I mean, one funny thing is that <laughs> when I checked into the, the Disney hotel and I picked up the phone, it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for internal calls, but I couldn't, like, make an outside call. I called the front desk and I said, my phone doesn't work. So, like, they fixed it within, like, an hour. So, like, it was a completely different experience. There was something wrong with my phone, but it was like they were so apologetic about it, and they fixed it, like, within the hour. And they even, they not only did that, but they let me use their phone to call my mom and tell her I was okay, and to call Ruth and tell her that I was okay, because, and, and to spread the message to Will, because Will had been trying to call me at the Red Roof, and I had no phone. <laughs> well, I'm feeling left out, Chris. You called everybody but me, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I called, um, I didn't want to, like, you know, push, because I'd already made two calls on their phone, so I just kind of... So anyway, like, they were so nice about it, and, like, everybody at that hotel was not just the cast... But just the people staying there were so nice. And I think it was because everyone was having such a wonderful time staying there that everyone just had this positive energy about them. Everybody was so nice to me. It was like, I hate to overuse this word, but it was almost magical. I mean, my experience at that hotel was flawless. I had such a, In fact, there were times I even left the parks because I wanted to just be at the hotel. It was so nice. And I actually got to stay in the Fantasia section of the hotel, which was the choice I wanted. Out of all of them, I wanted that one, and that's the one I got. So I was happy about that. And I got a special room that Mike arranged for me because I was gonna be having a scooter with me so the room could accommodate the scooter and everything. So it was close to the main building where the food court and everything is so that was really convenient and I just can't say enough about how much I enjoyed staying at that hotel the room was beautiful you could eat off the floor it was so clean they brought me new soap and shampoo every day whether I needed it or not I brought home a whole case of shampoo 
and soap from Disney because they I only used one bottle of it the whole time I was there. They just kept bringing me more and more and more. I figured it was mine to, to take home with me, so I did. And I loved the shampoo, believe it or not. I thought the shampoo smelled so nice that I was glad to be able to take some home with me. The food court was amazing. I loved the food court, and I absolutely loved the drink. They give you they give you a cup for free if you have a meal plan, and you get free refills of coffee or any soda you want in the food court. The refillable unlimited. Mug. It's a refillable mug the whole time you're there, and I definitely took advantage of that. The technology on that mug is like just an amazing aspect of Disney in and of itself. So, because the drink stations are open, it's not like behind a locked, you know, area or anything like that. Right. And so to keep people from uh, just coming up and like filling up, you know, buckets of pop, uh, they right. they have RFID chips inside those cups. And the pop machines right. actually read it and it knows like when you got your cup, how long you're going to be there. And it right. will continue to work until your time is up. and then Until it, your it vacation becomes, ends. Yeah. And then it becomes a souvenir. Right. Uh, but you know, it's yeah. even even their pop machines are massively cool technologically. Right, and the other thing that's really nice of them is there were a couple times I left my cup in my room, and they just gave me a you know a throwaway cup. They trusted me. Yeah, yeah. You know they they're not they're not there to give you a hard time. Mm-hmm. They're there to make your vacation a good one. That's the other thing. That's the benefit of staying on Disney. They're there to make you happy. They're not there to, like, that's against the rules. There's no breaking of the rules, you know. <laughs> They're not like that. The other nice thing that I didn't know, I wish I had known sooner, was if you eat at the food court, you get, and you're on the meal plan, you get an extra side, which would normally be a snack credit. If you get a, a meal credit, at the food court in the hotel you're staying at, you get an extra free side that doesn't count against your snack credit with every meal. And I didn't even know that in the beginning, and I wasn't asking for it. And then one time, one of the cashiers said, don't you want to get a, a snack or something? I said, no, I want to save my, my snack credits for when I'm in the park. And she said, no, 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 it comes with your meal. And she explained the whole thing to me. And I was like, wow, that's great. Like a, a dessert? Like, so you can yeah. pick a dessert? Yeah. Like a dessert or, you know, like a bag of chips or something like that. Yeah, they recently decoupled that from, like, it used to all be like an inclusive, like together. And they recently decoupled that so that you could, you know, kind of have more selection options that way. Yeah. And the, the options in the food court, there were every. Like, there was a pizza area that also had other Italian things, like pasta and stuff. Then there was the hamburger and hot dog station, which had fries and hamburgers and hot dogs. Then they had, like, a deli counter that had, like, different types of deli sandwiches. And then they had a whole area of, like, with refrigerators where you could just get pre-made things all yourself. And then there was a phenomenal gift shop in there, too. Huge gift shop. I spent a lot of time in that little main building of the hotel. It was really nice. I really enjoyed it. But I want to go back to um, my first 
day at the parks when I went to Animal Kingdom because I kind of skipped over that. Um, my sister, like I said, brought me there with my niece. And there was a problem with booking fast passes, remember, Mike? Because I was not staying on Disney property the first three nights. And Disney's, their system is set up in a weird way where you can't book fast passes unless you're not staying on Disney property at all. Yeah, your tickets were tied to your room. Right. But you were going to start using your tickets before you actually checked into your Disney room. And so exactly. we had to call down and get Disney, uh, talk to them. And, and uh, did you, you went to the ticket center and get them to activate them early, correct? Yes, I did. When I arrived at the Animal Kingdom that morning, which was the day after I arrived, the day of the wedding, because the wedding was at four o'clock. So we thought we would do Animal Kingdom and then leave early for the mm -hmm. wedding. So there were two things we had to straighten out. First of all, we needed to straighten out that we wanted to activate my my ticket, my, my passport to get into the parks that day, rather than on the 12th, which was the day I was checking into Disney. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is my sister and my niece were able to get their fast passes because they weren't staying on Disney property. Right. So it wasn't linked to that. So I wanted to be able to link my fast passes for that day to my sisters and my nieces. And there was a little bit of a mix up at the desk. I mean, everybody was nice to me, of course, they're Disney, but at first the reservations and fast passes I had for my sister and niece were not pulling up. And so it turns out that the computer had been running slow. That's what they told me because eventually they did find the reservations and everything because we also made lunch reservations. Mm -hmm. So they did find that, but at first I was getting a little panicky because they said they couldn't, there, were no, there was nothing there. Mm -hmm. um, I did end up asking for a supervisor. She came out and kind of straightened everything out. And uh, she also was able to link my fast passes to my sister and nieces. However, I don't know if you know this, Mike, and this might be a new policy or something, but they told me that I'm only allowed to have seven days of fast passes consecutively or non-consecutively. I can only book seven days of fast passes at a time. Once I use up the seventh day, then I can book another day and that would be the seventh. But I could not book fast passes for the full 10 days that I was going to be going to the parks. I really? could only do it for seven of the 10 days. And in order to link my fast passes to my sister and niece that day, I had to cancel my fast passes on one of my other days. Hmm. I just had a family that was there 12 days in December, and we booked all 12 days prior to their... Uh, they, they were there 12 days, had 10-day tickets, and we booked all 10 days of their fast pass as well, like at the 60-day marker. And so uh, that, that might be a, a 2018 thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was not expecting that at all. And I didn't. I figured it must be something new, or maybe the Perth the cast member was giving me misinformation, and, you know, it could be that too. Because the fast pass thing was taken care of after the manager had walked away. Mm-hmm. She kind of resolved the situation, told her to do the fast pass thing, mm -hmm. and then she informed me that I had to give up a day. Uh, so I did do that, uh, but I was able to the next day rebook 
pretty much the exact same fast pass as I had given up on that day. So they actually even threw in another freebie fast pass that I could use at any time for Thunder Mountain on that day that like had no time limit on it. So they kind of did that. They threw that in for my trouble. So the thing is with Disney, even when they screw up, which does happen, I mean, they deal with thousands, millions of people a year. There are going to be foul-ups, but they always do their absolute best to make up for it. And other companies just don't do that type of thing. So it, it's, a, it's refreshing to deal with an organization that is there to make you happy, you know. And the thing is, it really didn't, it took a few minutes and we kind of missed getting into the park for a rope drop. But my sister had to rent me a scooter that day because my... We did, Mike did arrange for a scooter for the entire time I was staying on Disney property. But the first two days, we just rented the scooter from the park itself. Originally, my plan was just to walk those two days. But by the time I got to Animal Kingdom, I was already, like, had done too much walking. So we just opted to rent the scooter. And it's $50 a day. The scooter that we rented for the week from an outside company was only about $35 a day. So it was a better deal. And then you could bring the scooter back with you to the hotel. You didn't have to to go and get one every morning and all that and turn and it in at night. Those ones at the park can be limited. And so you can think you're going to get one and show up. And if it's a super right. busy day and you didn't get there right at open and they don't have one for you, you're just kind of out of luck. Exactly, exactly. But I got there at Rope Drop both days that I was going to be renting a scooter from Disney, so that wasn't an issue for me because I was basically the first one in the door. So, but if you're not an early birder like me, that might be a problem. However, we did get to Avat- uh, Flight of Passage was the first thing we, of course, we, we went to. And by the time we got there, which is only about, 10 minutes after the park had opened, they had a sign out front saying it was a an 80-minute wait, but we decided to do it anyway. We weren't able to get fast passes for it because, again, I wasn't able to book my hotel early enough, so book early, book early, book early. But That's the most high, That's the highest demanded fast pass right now in all the parks. Exactly. It's, unless you're there at the two-month mark with your, your finger on the computer waiting for the exact moment to pick it you're not going to get it or mike's there with his finger on the computer for you (laughs) right exactly exactly so i did go on flight of passage but the wait they definitely overestimated the wait time it was less than an hour so and and the queue is actually worth seeing it was a very beautiful queue um so i you know if you do fast pass you don't always get to see the queue so I was, and I was, you know, I was visiting with my sister and niece. That was really the only day of all the days I went that I was not alone. Because my sister left right after the wedding. And then the rest of the time I was by myself at the parks the whole time. But anyway, um, it went by really fast. And I, uh, I'm not going to go into details on this show about the attractions and how I feel about them. I'm going to do that in a separate series of of many episodes that Ruth and I will be doing. But I just will say that I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you, Chris. I was just like, I'm not a fan of heights like that. 
But I mean, it I it was incredible. I will say that it was an incredible experience. It was it was so incredible that I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so then we went to um, Everest, and my niece rode that herself because Kelly, my sister, and I didn't feel up to the challenge, the the Everest challenge. So. Because I had a magic band and they didn't, I couldn't really give my niece my magic band that might cause trouble. But my sister gave my niece her card, her admission card. So my niece was able to use my sister's fast pass and do it twice in a row with two fast passes. So that was fun for her. I have done the uh, the magic band swap uh, with uh, a good friend of mine and our wives when we go. And we'll take our mm-hmm. wives' bands and swap. And the cast member mm-hmm. look, looked at both of us and goes, "Hello, Teresa and Shannon. Uh, hope you guys enjoy your ride." <laughs> and uh, they know your name. The yeah, band exactly. has your name and attached so, uh, to it. They, they look at us a little funny and you know, kind of wink as we go on by. So you probably would have been all right. Well, I don't know. Chris is kind of a neutral name. They could have believed that she, my niece was Chris because women are named Chris That's too. True. But I didn't want to cause any problems, so we didn't do it. But and besides, as we were leaving Mount Everest, she came out and said that she rode next to a cast member, and he gave me the, another fast pass. <laughs> wow. We didn't end up using it, though. We ended up giving it to somebody on the way out because we didn't have time, because we wanted to see other things, and we had a very limited amount of time because we had to leave early. So I after that, I... Her and I, my niece and I did the, I forget the name of it, it's the one where it's like a Roaring Rapids ride. Cali River the, Rapids. Cali, Cali River, River Rapids. Rapids. We did that, and I, I got absolutely drenched. And right after that, we had lunch at the Yak and Yeti, and that was wonderful. The food was absolutely delicious. I had a teriyaki chicken dish, and I had a special, like, non-alcoholic mixed drink that had kind of a peach flavor to it. But it was, I think it was red, but it was peach flavored, which was strange. But it was delicious. Very good service. I mean, you always expect it from Disney. The ambiance was absolutely beautiful. They sat us right next to a big picture window. That was really great. My sister had wanted to eat there because she had eaten there the last time she went to Disney. And it was a, a good memory for her, so we... Reserved that. That was my only advanced dining reservation the whole time I was in Disney. The rest of the time I just had the meal plan, and it was the quick service meal plan. But I mean, that's fine for me. And I find that the quick service was a lot more than I expected. It's changed a lot in 18 years, I have to say. Because Disney used to serve in their quick service um, restaurants, you had your choice of Hamburgers and french fries, or hamburgers and french fries. <laughs> and if you didn't want that, you could get hamburgers and french fries. Sometimes I mean, with that's cheese. That's all. <laughs> right. right. Sometimes, if you asked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that w- it was just not what it is today. And I wasn't expecting real. I mean, you hear people say things on podcasts and you overhear things, being in the Disney community that I am, but seeing is believing. And I'll tell you, I was so impressed by the fast food, what they call quick service. I wouldn't call it fast food. It is not McDonald's. What other quick service did you do at Animal Kingdom? 
Um, we, um, didn't do quick service. Oh, I did on my own. I went back to Animal Kingdom on my own on another day, and I ate at this, um, I, I don't even know the name of it, but it was in Africa, and it was like an outdoor area where they had walk-up windows, and they served, um, barbecued ribs. Oh, yeah. They were delicious. I, I don't remember the name of it. But it was wonderful. It was just like, this is quick service. And the portions are huge. And I'm a big eater. And I was like, the whole time I was there, I was stuffed. Flame Tree Barbecue is the name of that one. Flame Tree Barbecue, yeah. that's right, yeah. And, and, and they've, really... they've got, for one credit, you can get like like ribs and a half chicken and some sides. And it's like one, it's easily yeah. a shareable dinner. Uh, it is one of the best uses. It of came with a it came with a really delicious three bean salad mm-hmm. and um, uh, coleslaw, and it was really really good. And the and in the meal plan it includes a drink. So and the drinks are expensive if you're not on the meal plan. It's like three dollars for a soda at Disney. So I mean that meal plan you really save money, a huge amount of money by using that meal plan but you have to use it if you don't use all your credits you're wasting your money but I made sure to use all my credits in the last day I had like six snack credit and again say I'm a big eater and on the last day I, I had six snack credits left that's how full I was I wasn't in need of snacks but yeah that was really nice the the um that that place in Animal Kingdom so at the end of the day, we did the um, Kilimanjaro Safari, which was phenomenal, and we saw tons of animals. Like, there was a... We had to stop for a while because there was a rhino blocking our path for a short time. Um, we saw rhinos and giraffes and everything. And then the last thing we did was we had a fast pass for the um, Avatar Navi River journey. And that was beautiful. It's a great family ride. It is. My sister did say coming off of it, and I kind of agree with her that if she really liked it, but if we didn't have that fast pass and had to wait an hour, she would have been annoyed because it is a very short ride. I agree. It's a beautiful ride, and I would say it's a not-to-be-missed ride, but you really got to make sure you get a fast pass for it because it's a long wait. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the second day, like I told you, I did the Magic Kingdom thing. And on that day, I had no fast passes. And I didn't even bother to, to get them because I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to soak in because I it's my first time returning to the Magic Kingdom in 22 years. Because although I'd been to Disney in 99, the last time I went to specifically Magic Kingdom was 96. So I really wanted to just soak it all in because that's my favorite thing in Disney World is the Magic Kingdom. That's my favorite part because it's the most like Disneyland and Disneyland is my favorite, favorite park. So, Were you staying on property at this point, Chris? No, this is the day I took the bus and then I had to transfer to the monorail to get to the TTC. But I opted to take the ferry boat instead of the um, monorail because I wanted that reveal you know yes i love the castle that's beautiful never gets old so i did that 
And it was good that I had to do that because all the other times I went to the kingdom, I took the hotel bus and it drops you off right there. Mm -hmm. So I did get to experience that. So I'm not really going to go into detail on what I did on the second day because basically it was kind of the best hits. I just kind of went to all my favorites. First thing I did was Peter Pan. And I got there just a little bit after the park had opened because I had to deal with taking the bus and all that stuff. So by the time I got to Peter Pan, it was already like a 45-minute wait, and the park had only been open for 10 minutes. But I'm glad that I waited in the queue, and I do recommend that you try to wait in the queue at least once for Peter Pan because they have a really beautiful um, brand-new interactive indoor queue area that looks like the nursery from the movie and it's really adorable and if you have fast pass you don't get to see it so yeah i'm kind of bummed i didn't get to experience that yeah so you know i did my favorites i did peter pan i went across and did small world i did and oh on this day i actually rented a scooter again because i wasn't gonna get the the rental, the long-term rental until the next day. So, yeah, I just kind of did all the, the best of things. Carousel of Progress, Country Bear Jamboree. I only did a couple things that had long waits. I did Splash Mountain because they let me take the scooter into the queue for Splash Mountain, which was good, so I didn't have to stand in the line. I didn't do, you know, I skipped a couple things like Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain. I knew I had several days to go, and I could see them another day. So I just basically did the smaller things, and I didn't do Seven Dwarfs that day. But I did do Little Mermaid. I loved Little Mermaid. I did the dueling Dumbos. I actually went on Dumbo <laughs> by myself. You get your treehouse in? I did that on another day. But, uh, yeah, and I left kind of early because I had to um, catch the, the bus at Epcot, but I did take the monorail over to the Polynesian on my way out, and I walked around, well, I s scootered around, well, no, I didn't have a scooter, I had turned it in, so I walked around the Polynesian a little bit before I took the monorail back to the ticket center and then back to Epcot, so that was my second day. Now, my third day is the day that I moved over to the Disney Hotel. So I took a cab that morning to the All-Star Movies, and I checked in, and that went all perfectly. Mike had everything all set for me. There's no problems. Your scooter was there waiting for you? My scooter was there waiting for me. I left my bags with... My room wasn't ready yet, so I left my bags with the um, the bag check people. They have them out front. And then um, I just took my scooter, and I went to the buses, and they were able to lift my scooter right onto the bus, and I went to the studio. Um, I got there around 9 o'clock. I, I was a very early bird person my whole trip. So... The thing, I had a problem with the scooter on the first day that I had the long-term rental scooter. It died on me after two hours, and it started to stall. So I left M MGM in haste because I was, like, getting paranoid that I won't make it home <laughs> if I don't get on the bus now because this 
scooter isn't going to last. It's dying. So I barely made it on the bus home. They actually had to push the scooter up the ramp because it wouldn't go up the ramp on its own. It was so, it was crazy. And then I called the rental place and they brought me a new scooter that day. That I had no other problems with it after that. There was just some mechanical issue with that first one. It was certainly something beyond their control. So I can't really complain about it. Those type of things just happen. But I did end up leaving MGM early that day. And I only saw a couple things. I think, what did I do? I did the Muppets 3D and then I did the Walt Disney exhibit. And then I had to leave. I, I kind of rode the scooter around not knowing it was going to die. I was just kind of looking around. I went down Sunset Boulevard and looked around. And, and then two hours later, <laughs> the scooter died. So I went back to the hotel and I waited for this new scooter. And it came around 5 o'clock. And then I went back to Animal Kingdom. I, I ate dinner at the hotel. And I went back to Animal Kingdom. And I, I saw the um, dinosaur, which I had not seen yet. And I absolutely loved that. I thought that was fantastic. I didn't have high expectations for it because a lot of people say it's not as good as Indiana Jones. I was not finding myself comparing it to Indiana Jones. I really saw it as its own separate thing, and I really enjoyed it. I also um, went did the safari at night, the Kilimanjaro safari at night, and that was amazing. Everybody has to do it at night because that's when the tigers come out. The tigers are asleep during the day. If you do it at night, you get to see, the, not the tigers, but the lions, I meant to say. The tigers are in another place, but there's a lion you know, section. And I got to see all the lions. It was incredible. Yeah, the safari is, a, is an early morning or a late night ride. You know, it, because yeah. the heat of the day, those animals become inactive. And, uh, you know, right. so we it's that's a, a great first, you know, early in the morning or late night's awesome. Will, have you ever done the safari at night? No, I have not, but I, uh, I'm hoping on this upcoming trip. We've got a whole day planned at Animal Kingdom on mm. the first day, so I'm hoping to... Uh, yeah, we're going to do a lot of stuff that none of us have ever done at Animal Kingdom, like obviously Pandora yeah. and the Rivers right. of Light and the nighttime show and all that stuff, so... Yeah, yeah which... I didn't get to see the nighttime show because my thinking was that it was sort of like Illuminations where you just stand around the big lake... And you can see it from anywhere, but apparently, no, it's actually, you sit in an amphitheater, and you watch, it's, it is on the lake, and the amphitheater is adjacent to the lake, but you really can't see it, and it's, you can see part of it, but you can't really see it as it's meant to be seen unless you sit in that theater. And I didn't want to deal with it, because I didn't have a fast pass. In fact... Mike tried to tell me to get a fast pass, and I was just like, why would I need a fast pass? <laughs> I should have listened to him. <laughs> See what I mean? So, anyway, I did not end up seeing that after Dark Water Show, but I did see the light projections they do on the Tree of Life, and that was incredible. Yeah, that's really I cool. I was amazed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And I spent a lot of time kind of staring at that tree. I was very impressed by the Tree of Life. I loved that. In fact, I should say, I had never been to Animal Kingdom before. 
and I was very impressed. I really enjoyed Animal Kingdom. I even enjoyed Dino Land USA. I thought that I wasn't going to, but I actually really thought it was kind of cool. I liked how it was set up sort of as a roadside Route 6. I didn't really understand that it kind of had a Route 66 connection to it. Remember I told you that when we talked about it. Um, I know. People tell me things, but I don't... <laughs> I don't... It, it's not that I don't listen. It's that I don't make the connections unless I see it with my own eyes. And I really liked it. I mean, I didn't go on the rides in, in Dino Land as far as, like, the roller coaster and the spinner. But I thought it was well done. I, I was not taken aback by it in any, in any way. I thought Animal Kingdom was really a beautiful park. And I loved the, the, the trails and everything. I saw the gorillas and everything. It was really nice. On the fourth day, I went to Epcot. And this is my first time, other than taking the monorail from the Epcot, going into Epcot. This is the first time. And I heeded Mike's warnings and followed his advice, and it really ended up being perfect because I was the first one in line to get in at Rope Drop, and I had an advantage over everybody else because my scooter goes faster <laughs> than people running. You had your own <laughs> so test track going who, on there. Exactly. So everyone's running, and I'm like out. I'm beating them on my scooter. So Did you get that supercharged the... scooter we talked about? <laughs> the one with the turbo engine? It had a, a dial where you could make it go faster or slower. So I just put it on full speed and I raced straight for the land pavilion, as Mike told me to do. And uh, I parked my scooter on the second floor and took the escalator down. And because I had to park my scooter and deal with that, a couple people got ahead of me, so I was not the first in line, but I would have been if I hadn't had to park the scooter. I was like the fourth fourth or fifth person in line for Soren. And um, so I did that, and I just, I'm not going to get into too much detail because we're going to do that on another show, but I just want to say I was very, very impressed and thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was incredible. I had never seen Soren. I never saw the original or any of it. It's my first time on this attraction of any kind. And I was completely blown away. It was much more than I expected. And I absolutely loved it. So the, then I took my scooter and scooted across to the other side of the park. And I got on the single rider line for test track and only had to wait about 10 minutes. And I got on that. And I loved it. I thought it was terrific. Really enjoyed it. And then I had a fast pass for Spaceship Earth, and I did that. And I have to say, I love the new additions. The last time I wrote it, Jeremy Irons was still doing the narration, and it was a completely different ending. They added all sorts of new audio animatronics, scenes at the end. What they had done for the version I had seen was kind of the cheap, like, static figure thing for the audio animatronic it wasn't the full-blown like the things they added matched the rest of the show the the rest of the ride like the new additions felt like they flowed perfectly with the the rest of the attraction and i really enjoyed that 
I didn't really like the going downhill part with the screen that you had to play the game on or whatever it was. Like they show you your future. I thought that was kind of... I mean, that might work on something else, but I just kind of think of Spaceship Earth as being a little bit more serious than that. It kind of dumbs down the attraction to me, but I'll get into that more on the show where I talk about the attractions, but I really enjoyed Spaceship Earth. It was uh, one of the only things that was there the last time I went that's still there. (laughs) So I enjoyed that. And then um, I went back to... um, the land and uh i ate in the food court at the land that's changed a lot too they, they just have so much better options now it's incredible um then i did uh imagination and i had a fast pass for the seas with nemo which i really enjoyed the seas with nemo by the way and the turtle talk was adorable loved that that was so cute. And I loved just spending time in there and looking at all the sea life. Then I started my world tour of World Showcase. I had a fast pass for 4.30 at Frozen. So I decided to start in Canada and hopefully by 4.30 I would make my way to, to Norway. So I did the Canada film. Had a little bit of trouble finding the wheelchair entrance because there's stairs that lead up to that attraction. So the wheelchair entrance is actually where the restaurant is and there were no cast members to tell me how to get there and I got really confused, but eventually I found my way there. The new Canada film, I loved. much. I liked it much better than the original. But the China film, I like the original better than the new one. I just have to say that. So I basically just went around the countries, and each country that had a film or an attraction, I did them in the order. Like I did Impressions de France, and then I went inside the museum in Japan, which was really cute, where they had all the the cute culture stuff. The Japan's cute culture There's a word for it, I don't remember. But there's a little exhibit there. That was not there the last time I went. And they still have that big gift shop with all the Japanese trinkets and gadgets and gazmos and bonsai trees and pearls. That's always fun. Were they doing the harvesting of the the pearls from the uh, oysters? Yes. Like right there? Mm -hmm. They were doing that. Yeah, they were doing that. And they would ring a bell when they got the the pearl out they would ring a bell it was fun i didn't buy one i just watched other people but um so then i went to the america and saw the american adventure that the ending has slightly changed but basically it's the same thing you know they had to add in obama and things that have happened since the last time i was there Um, The Impressions de France is exactly, in fact, that's the only attraction in the entire park that is exactly the same as the last time I saw it. It's unchanged. Everything else, even if the attraction is still there, it's been changed in some way. So then I did China. I saw the, um, the, the acrobats do their show. That was really nice, really impressive. And then I went to 
um, that little exhibit they show Shanghai Disneyland there's a little exhibit you can look and I saw that then I went to Norway and rode Frozen I had a fast pass wasn't my favorite I have to say I was a little disappointed I'll get into why on my other show when we talk about it but I'm just putting it out there I prefer Maelstrom <laughs> Maelstrom was much better it's currently the uh, second hardest to get fast pass in I all know. The parks right now. But I was lucky to get one. And because of the tier system on fast passes at Epcot, you can't get that and Soren and Test Track. They make you pick one of the right. three. But you did a great job exactly. of getting all three of those in there with, you know, basically little weight. Right. So you did a good job. So I rode that right around 4.30, which is exactly what I got all that done that I talked about. And it was only 4.30. And I was right at Norway, right on time. I like planned it out perfectly. And then I did Mexico. And Mexico, the boat ride was a walk-on. And I remember it was always a walk-on. And it still is a walk-on. If they add Coco to it, though, forget it. They're going to need to come up with a better cue if they add Coco, because that queue is not going to hold the crowds that are going to want to see that if they add the Coco characters to it. But I loved seeing it. See, I hadn't seen the the version with the three Caballeros. The last time I wrote it, it was still El Rio del Tempo was the name of it. It was basically the same attraction, but it didn't include Donald Duck and all that. So I really liked the additions on that. I thought that was adorable. And then I saw that, and it was only 5 o'clock, and I'd seen the whole park. <laughs> With only a few things I hadn't done, but I, was, I knew I'd be coming back another day. And I was so tired by that point that I just went back to the hotel and crashed <laughs> and slept the whole time. Like, I went to bed at 6 o'clock that night and basically slept till the next morning. <laughs> I don't think I need to get into, like, all of the nitty-gritty of my returning to the other parks because I did go back to each one another time I had plenty of time to see everything I will mention some of the live shows that I saw during my time I saw the parade on Main Street what is it called Mike I forget Festival of Fantasy that's right the parade was wonderful I absolutely loved it have you you haven't seen the new parade will have you no, no, that'll be in April. I see it for the first time. And when Ruth went, they were doing the Christmas parade because she went after the Christmas parties ended. She went in late December when they were showing the parade during the day for everybody. So she saw the Christmas parade, which is my favorite. So I'm jealous of her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the parade was wonderful. The music? Hmm... It felt like a little bit recycled from this parade at Disneyland and that parade from Tokyo Disneyland. It wasn't the best music, but the floats and the characters, they had characters to satisfy my nostalgia. And they had a good mix, a good blending of the newer characters and the older characters that I have affection for. So I really enjoyed. And that dragon was very impressive. If you're a steampunk fan, that's that's dragons and awesome. So. Yeah, and to to a degree, I am. I mean, I love things like Twenty Thousand Leagues and all that kind of stuff. So I did enjoy that. 
And I actually, I got there very early, and where I set up camp was across the street from the center part of the hub, right behind, right in front of the train station, in the very center, right where the stairs come down. I centered myself so the flagpole was directly in front of me, and the castle was centered directly in front of me. <laughs> So I had the absolute best view of the parade that anybody, I knew the best spot is right there where you can see the castle behind the parade. So that was perfect. And then when I saw the nighttime fireworks show, happily ever after, I didn't get there as early, but early enough where I was able to get, find a very, very good spot centered right next to the hub, like at the very end of Main Street, right before the hub starts. So the castle was straight ahead of me. I had the perfect view. But I wasn't as much of a fan of that show. I didn't really care for that uh, presentation because the only things they highlighted were things, like the oldest thing they showed was The Little Mermaid, which was 89. And they showed a very brief second of Baloo from the Jungle Book. Like, if you blinked, you would have missed him. The whole thing was focused on the Bob Iger era, you know? So I, you know, and I enjoy those films, but I don't have that emotional, um, nostalgic feeling towards them that I do towards Dumbo or Peter Pan, or Alice in Wonderland, or Snow White. That's where my Disney fandom rests, you know? So there was nothing for me in this show. It was all for, you know, people under 30 and where their nostalgia lies. But my argument is that's fine, but, you know, more than half of the people in your park are over 30. Did you know that, Disney? (laughs) So you got to feed them a bone, too. You know, not everybody is, you know, that young. A lot of them are. But so I just didn't have an emotional connection to the show. I thought it was very beautiful. And I loved how they were able to synchronize the fireworks with, with the music because I had not seen that before in person because the last time I went to the parks again... They did not have, they had not developed that technology yet. So they were, I was watching Fantasy in the Sky, the old fireworks, with just them randomly shooting off fireworks. They weren't set in time to the music, Mm. which was also impressive, but not as impressive as when the, when the music reaches a crescendo, the fireworks reach a crescendo. That is impressive. And I was really impressed with the technology of, of the screen, the projections on the, the castle. That was really interesting. But I I would have enjoyed the show so much more if they had an Alice in Wonderland segment or a Peter Pan segment. Now, they did have Tinkerbell in it, but they didn't even play You Could Fly. They just played the theme song of the of the that they the original song they wrote for the Happily for the show. After, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they could have at least played You Can Fly while Tinkerbell flew over. They, they, nothing was, there was nothing for me in the show. But the other thing that really annoyed me, and I mentioned this to Mike, and I mentioned this to Ruth, too. The show seems like it's ended, 
because they the fireworks go crazy and it seems like the grand finale and the announcer sort of says we hope you enjoyed um happily ever after so i'm thinking okay the show's over so i i'm getting up to leave and then the music starts up again and everybody's look tinkerbell and i turn and i missed half of tinkerbell because i was getting up to leave and that was really the main thing I wanted to see of the whole thing was Tinkerbell. So I think that was poorly, poorly written to have that happen in that. They really should have had Tinkerbell come out at the beginning like she used to. Because I, at, at one point, I thought there wasn't even going to be Tinkerbell. So I'm glad I got to see her back. But <laughs> I didn't get to see her front. And even in Wishes, the, the version before this that you never saw, uh, she was much more prevalent earlier in the uh, in, yeah. in, into the You Can Fly you know, musical soundtrack. Yeah, but. there was more nostalgic music mm-hmm. in that. And then if Jiminy Cricket was the host, so that would have been emotional for me. Yep, that's right. My podcast is called Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Obviously, I love Jiminy Cricket. But the thing is... The original fantasy in the sky, what made it so magical is because Tinkerbell set off the fireworks because she would come down before the fireworks even started. She'd wave her wand, and that was the signal for the fireworks to begin. And the announcer said, if you wish hard enough and believe strongly enough, Tinkerbell will fly over the Magic Kingdom to start fantasy in the sky. And she'd fly out, and everybody'd go, ooh, and she'd wave her wand. It was very emotional, you know? Because it's that whole, all of us who grew up watching Disney on Sunday night, you know, that was what happened on the TV shows. Tinkerbell would fly out and wave her wand, and so, I don't know. I just didn't feel the connection to that show. It was, if maybe if you're under 30, you will. To me, it just, I don't know. Frozen and and uh, Tangled and The Princess and the Frog. They're great films, don't get me wrong, but they don't make me cry. Like when Dumbo's mother gets put in jail, I cry. When Bambi's mother gets shot, I cry. When Snow White is, you know, the, I don't have emotion towards those films like I do towards the old films. So, anyway, that being said... I, I can't say enough about the meal plan. I ate also, just to kind of wrap this up, I'll say some of the other places I ate. I ate at every single fast food place in the Magic Kingdom, except for the um, one in, in Adventureland, where across from Pirates. I did not eat there, but I ate at Pecos Spill, and I was delighted by the fact that they had a nacho bar. I didn't know that. They don't serve french fries there. They serve nachos, and then they have all the toppings all laid out for you. And it's all you can eat, like guacamole and sour cream and whatever, cheese. And it's terrific. That was really nice. So they do, they go beyond the hamburger and french fry thing. They really try to theme the food to wherever you are. Like, I ate at the Columbia Harbor House... It's all seafood dishes. I ate at Pinocchio's. It's all Italian stuff. They didn't used to do that. It was just hamburgers. They didn't They didn't care about the theming when it came to the food. Of course, they serve hamburgers at Cosmic Rays, but 
You got Cosmic Ray, which is wonderful. I, I ate there twice because I love Cosmic Ray. And, and I know you didn't have a, a phone with you when you were there, but they've got a new uh, mobile ordering system right. that they've just rolled out mm-hmm. that um, it, it didn't it didn't work with the dining plan when I was there at Thanksgiving, um, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's now works with the dining plan. And even on things like getting a Dole Whip, instead of waiting through three levels yeah. of like of, of the queue, I got on my right. app, I ordered two Dole Whips, and just walked up to the window and picked them right. up. You know. So that's uh, they, that dining plan, the quick service is awesome. And it really is quick because a lot of people don't know about it yet because I look, they ha- they always have a special um, counter reserved for that. Right. And every time I pass one, there was no one in line yep. for it. Mm-hmm. So you just walk right up, get your food, and you're done. I That was one thing I really wish I had a because I did spend a lot of time waiting in line to eat. Yeah. That's for sure. But I had about five Dole Whip floats while I was there. <laughs> like every time I passed the um, Tiki Room, I got a Dole Whip. I, <laughs> they even let you take them in to the Tiki Room. They wouldn't let me bring my drink into um, American Adventure, but they let me take it. And I asked the ladies because I had already been reprimanded trying to take my drink into the American adventure. So when I went up to the Tiki room, I asked her, am I allowed to bring this in? She's like, oh, sure. So that seems kind of strange that some places let you bring your drinks in and others don't. But I guess the hall, the American adventure has carpeting and the um, Tiki room doesn't. But who knows? Did you get to try La Oh, yes, I did on my last night at the Kingdom. Yeah. I got one right, like, late at night. I was like, oh, I forgot. So I went and got one, and it was delicious. I loved it. It was so good. I wanted another one, but... (laughs) (laughs) Another fun place to eat is at the um, Casey's Corner. And when I ate there, the... um, piano player was there and he took my request he actually took two requests he played bare necessities for me and he played it's a small world for me i'm sure everyone loved that <laughs> i'm like the only one who likes that song i would have Ruth. yeah <laughs> <laughs> just before warned about your hot dog at the <laughs> casey's quarter now they asked me, "Do you want the six inch or the or the foot long?" And not even thinking, I'm like, I always get whenever I order something, I always get the bigger because I eat a lot. I'm a big guy and I have a hearty appetite. So without even thinking, I said, oh, "I'll I'll have the foot long." <laughs> and I wasn't even thinking in my head what that actually means. Literally, the size of a foot long Subway sandwich, hot dog. Like, it, it overflowed the bun and, like, overflowed the tray that they put. It was, it was embarrassing to carry it around. Well, and the six inches, like, it a regular so hot dog huge. when it comes to, like, you know, how how thick the hot dog is. But then when you get the foot long, the thing's, like, I don't know, like, two inches thick. It's, it's, it's you know. It's not only long, but it's, like, really, really wide. Like, yep. it's, like, I couldn't eat it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat it. And then I heard a, another guest standing by saying, should I get the foot long? And I said, 
don't get the footlong, trust me. You're half my size. You won't be able to eat it. I couldn't eat the whole thing. It was huge. I, it was an embarrassing thing to be seen with. Because it's just so huge, it looks like you're a pig eating it. It's too much. But that's what I mean about the food. Like, back in the day, Disney didn't give you stuff that was big. Like, they gave you the minimum. Like... They get at, at Casey's Corner. They gave you the regular old hot dog, which was probably a Oscar Mayer wiener, and a bag of chips, and that was it. You know. Now they give you like this huge thing with all sorts of. They ask you what you want on it. I mean, they've really stepped up their game, to say the least, when it comes to their quick service. Yeah, I was very impressed. Unbelievably impressed. And even the places that serve just hamburgers, because there are a few, people do want hamburgers occasionally. Even the hamburgers had improved. They're bigger, bigger patties. You know, the old hamburgers were fried, and these are charbroiled, and, you know, just huge, huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough about it. I can't say enough about the meal plan. If you're staying on Disney property, you must get the meal plan. It is so worth it. And with the Magic Band, it makes it, like, so easy. Like, I I didn't mention the Magic Band, so we'll close out the show with that. And let me touch real quick on those uh, on that dining plan. Um, we, yeah. didn't, we weren't able to do a ton of planning because you didn't have the plan that, that includes reservations. But when, right. when you have that plan there and you can... And, like pick the exact, uh, especially when you're booking six months in advance, because those reservations, as opposed to Disneyland that opened two months early, at World, it's mm-hmm. six months early. And there are places like mm. Ohana and Be Our Guest that if, if your party's more than two people, if you're talking a family of four or more, if you're not booking mm-hmm. like six months out, you're not getting a you're not getting a seat. I know. And uh, and but you know, especially when you can plan and pick those premium restaurants. Uh, you can really get some great value in the dining plan. I did try to get uh, advanced dining reservation for Chef Mickey's in the Contemporary, and it was completely booked. So I wasn't. I wanted to do. I wanted to try out one character breakfast, and I just couldn't do it. They were all booked. So anyway, be, before I talk about Magic Bands, I did leave one other thing out regarding restaurants. Be our guest. I didn't have a reservation, and I went up to the cast member and I asked if it were would be possible for me to just go through and look at it and come back out again. And um, at first, he said that you know we can't, we're not allowed to do that. But then I explained to him I have a podcast and that it would really mean a lot to me if I could tell my listeners what it looks like inside of Be Our Guest. So he called his supervisor and spoke with him and he said that they would let me in for a guided tour um, but I had to come back at 11.30 so they actually wrote me out a little ticket with the time on it. I came back at 11.30, there was a different cast member there, I showed her the ticket. She made a call and somebody came out within five minutes and took me inside and walked me around the entire restaurant. They showed me every single room. They talked about all the details. So I basically got a free little guided 
tour. I was in there about 10 minutes. It was really, really nice, and I, they went above and beyond to satisfy me, and I can't say enough. The service, the cast member service, was just unbelievable from beginning to end. I will talk a little bit more about my experience inside the Be Our Guest restaurant, my impressions and everything, in our upcoming little mini episodes that we'll be doing um, coming up after this is released. Uh, we'll probably be talking about the Magic Kingdom, attractions, shops, and restaurants in finite detail. So look for those episodes coming very soon. So the last thing I want to talk about is the Magic Band. And for the most part, I really loved the Magic Band. I loved how it would let you into your room. I loved how you could use it at any point of sale if you linked it to your car- credit card. I loved um, how it was linked to the meal plan. It just made it so you didn't have to carry around as much stuff with you. And it just made everything so convenient. And I loved it. But one function of the Magic Band that I did not care for, and it really has nothing to do with the Magic Band, it's uh, the Fast Pass system. But this was a system that existed before the Magic Band, so it's not specifically geared at the Magic Band, but I I feel that it's gotten worse because of the fact that you can book your attractions two months in advance if you're staying on Disney property, because that forced Disney to make almost every attraction a fast pass attraction. Whereas before the Magic Band thing, and you got your ticket at the park that day, there were only selected attractions that were fast pass, so it didn't affect every single attraction. My sense is that, yes, it's wonderful to be the first in line when you have a fast pass, but it's absolutely miserable when you don't have a fast pass because the lines move twice as slow as they used to. It's a Small World always had a line, but because it was a the, the boat that could fit so many people and it was just one boat after another, very efficient, the line would move so fast, I don't remember ever waiting more than 10 minutes to get on It's a Small World in the old days. Even if the line filled up the whole queue area, it was never a long... That, that line moved like, like crazy, constantly moving. Never had to wait. Same with Pirate. Same with Haunted Mansion. These attractions are so efficiently designed, unless you have Fast Pass attached to them, that the capacity of these attractions, even if the line seems long, the line moves very fast. But then when you add Fast Pass into the equation, it gums up the works of everything. It makes a 10-minute line into a 45-minute line. And so, in the long run, you're not saving any time at all using FastPass. You're losing time because you spend so much time in the attractions you don't have a FastPass for and you only can get four a day. Three in advance and then another one after you used up those three on the same day in the park. So. The other thing I don't like about it is it restricts you where you want to, what park you go to on what day. And it doesn't allow you the freedom to make the decisions 
the day of, which it, it, ta- it totally takes away spontaneity. Locals really don't like the fast pass system at Disney World because of that ability. You know, it's, you know, people who yeah. live in town right. don't ever get on Flight of Passage because they're not ever staying in a, you know, they're not staying in Disney right. hotels as exactly. often. And so therefore they can't book 60 days out and, you know, right. it's been out for six months and they've never ridden it because they're not waiting three hours for a regular standby. Right. And I spoke with a cast member. And she was telling me that cast members can only book them a week in advance. Isn't that awful? So it's like, ugh, I just don't like it. I don't like what it's done to the parks because it makes them seem more crowded. They are more crowded, but it makes them seem even more crowded because now half the people waiting in line are not in a line. They're in the park walking around. So it just makes the park seem so much more crowded and less enjoyable because of it not that they're not enjoyable i'm not saying that i love disney i would never say that but i just feel like it's it it needs to go and it won't i know disney won't get rid of it a lot of people love fast pass and it can work for you in some cases like that day i did at epcot i really it worked out for me but it was only because I knew all these little insider tips that Mike gave me on what to do and what order, but it shouldn't have to be like that. You should just be able to go to the park and enjoy it and not not have to plan out what ride you want to go on two months in advance unless you want to stand in three-hour lines. It's just, I don't know. To me, it doesn't seem to be saving anybody any time at all, and it just makes things more stressful. But that's just my opinion on it. Ruth, you, you've used FastPass. How do you feel about it? Well, coming from my experience that I just had at Walt Disney World, but being a Disneylander, I mean, I and I think I talked about it a little bit on my travel um, episode, but or yeah. my trip report episode. Mm-hmm. I like the Disneyland way because it's you go there that day and right. you everybody has the same options in front of them to right. to go on Nobody whatever ride. Nobody has an advantage over anybody else. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I definitely prefer that and I really am I've heard a lot of good things about the Max Pass that they've um, incorporated there now at Disneyland. So I right. I'm really hoping that the next time I can go to Disneyland that I get to experience that and I yeah, and the other only thing good is things about it. Yeah, they they don't put a limit on the number of fast. If you've used right. a fast pass, then you can get another one at all day long. There's no limit, like right. at Walt Disney World. Um, I don't know. Do they? What do they, they charge for get, that though at Disneyland? They the do Max charge pass. for that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's only ten dollars. And it also right. includes Photo Pass. Right. Doesn't it? Right. So Currently, it's really worth it. Yeah. 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 But uh, question. Does anybody know at Disneyland, can you get fast passes for both parks on on at the same time? Like, because at Disney World, you can't. Like, if I used up all my fast passes at Epcot and then went to Magic Kingdom later in the day, it won't let me get a Magic Kingdom fast pass that day. I'd have the only way I can get a fourth fast pass is if I use it also at Epcot. You can only use your fast passes in one park a day. 
I think when they added Max Pass, I think they stopped allowing you to do that in Disneyland and California Adventure. Oh, see, I don't like that either. Because I like to be able to, like, go to different parks. Right. And in, with Disneyland and California Adventure, it's literally like just a little bit of a walk. Yeah. Where you can just right hop into the next from... park. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Chris, the, the park limitation that you're talking about, though, see, you used the kiosks in the park, didn't you? You, yes. you did Because you didn't have the app. Because um, I didn't have a phone. Yeah, the app actually will let you book multiple, like, will let you, after you've used those original three, it will let oh. you shift parks. Um, oh, that's so, good to know. But I don't, that must be a limitation on the kiosks that they have there. Uh, yeah. Not allowing you to to pick a different because the kiosks are park centric, I think, and so oh. individual park centric. So if you have that app, I know you can switch over. Well, that's after good. You use those original. Use three. your three. Well, that's good because that you know because if you use your three in the morning, you might want to go to another park later in the day. But right. you, can you can you use? the phone if you're not in the park to book for another park or do you have to go to the park and then book it while you're in that park yeah there's no well, limitations like the max pass system so that you have to be there in the parks to start using uh okay. but not not for the the disney world app is completely separate from that oh well that's good that's good to know i booked fast passes i was in animal kingdom but i booked them for hollywood studios the next oh, day oh good yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, you yeah. could totally do that. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So I just had a little bit different experience because I didn't have the app. Right. I wasn't with a phone, which um, I made a, a few things less convenient for me because of that. So if you have a phone, make sure you bring it to Disney. Right. The app is, is really convenient. So just to let you know on a little history, Mike, originally... There was no such thing as ADRs for Disneyland. I don't, and I don't think at Disney World either. That's you know that started I think in the mid 90s. Before that, it worked sort of the same as Fast Pass because you could only make a reservation if you're in the park the day of by going to the physical restaurant and making a reservation in person. They set up a little podium in front of the restaurant. And you walked up to the cast member and you told them you wanted a reservation. They gave you a time to come back. They wrote you out a ticket and you went along your way and you could do the park and then come back at your time to eat. So basically that was the very first use of something like the Fast Pass. They did that for restaurants from the very early years of Disney Park, like from the 50s up till the 90s. I think they had like a phone system where you could call in and make a reservation at a restaurant at Disneyland. Because I, I think we did that once with Blue Bayou. You could call like days in advance to make a reservation for a specific day. That came later. Originally, you couldn't. You had to be in the park be that in the day. Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That came like in the 90s because now you can make reservations. Right, but you it make kinda, it online, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it kind of inched its way to what it has become now. Originally, they started letting you make reservations four days in advance, and then it crept up to a week in advance, and then eventually it's become the, the you know, the mad science lab that it is now. 
Yeah, where 90 you have days. To, yeah. 90 days in advance. And like, if, unless you book it 90 days in advance, you're not going to get it. You're not going to be able to eat in the castle. You can't walk up to the castle and make a reservation that day unless you're lucky enough that they make a cancellation. That's another good reason to use Mike and his services. Because he can get you those reservations and he knows, you know, how to do that for you. We have some third-party software that's not Disney software. It's on our own that we use that uh, monitors for cancellations and then sends us a text message and an email and says, hey, you have a cancellation at, you know, the castle. Jump on and try to grab it. So if you're having trouble finding those hard-to-get reservations, we, you know. So if you have a customer that's using your service that was heart set on eating in the castle and you just couldn't find anything, you have that tool so that if anything opens up, you can grab it for them. So that gives you another advantage by using Mike's uh, concierge service. But uh, Will, what is your experience with FastPass? I know you, you, you have used it. Yeah, I'm a local and I, I, uh, I guess I've gotten kind of used to the new FastPass system mm-hmm. over the last you know four or five years but um I, I guess i prefer the old way but i do like the fact that you can get on your phone now and and you know i just did this with with the uh, two people i'm going with in april and you know we just planned our entire trip out we made reservations on on you know through the app through the my disney app and um mm-hmm. and you know booked all our fast passes and stuff and you know i mean the tier system's a little frustrating and and uh yeah. you know that kind of thing but I, I think I'm more forgiving of it than most people are just because I've, I've spent so much time with it. Um, um, and, I, and I think they are trying to improve it for people as well. But, you know, there is something to be said for walking up to an attraction that you want to ride later on, you know, printing out a ticket and then coming back. I mean, I do kind of miss the old system. I think it works more to the advantage, believe it or not, of locals because you're only going there to see a few things because you're there all the time. Whereas... When you're a tourist from another state and you only get to Disney every few years, you're there to see everything. And, you know, you're not just going into the park for the afternoon to catch a couple rides. You're there for the full experience. You want to see every ride. So I think, especially in Disneyland, the the way their Fast Pass is set up, it definitely is to the advantage of the locals because... They just go into the park and they can just see three or four things while they're there and go home. Whereas someone from out of town, they're there for everything and then so it gums up the works on all of the attractions they can't get fast passes for. That makes sense, yeah. Right. Because you still, you want to see those things while you're there because you only have a limited opportunity to see them. But that is exactly how those parks, you can tell what audience they're focused on based right. on their fast pass system yeah, because Disneyland is very focused on their locals, the locals and Disney World is focused on the vacationers on the, tourists, the t- yeah. vacation yeah. the mm-hmm. long yeah but i have to say in closing overall my experience was absolutely fantastic i will it'll be a memory that will last a lifetime one of my fast passes that i did was i got to meet mickey at town square Oh, that's a cool experience. And talking I had Mickey. my talking yeah. Mickey. And I Who may had, be going away, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I know. I might be one of the last people that gets to see talking Mickey. Yep. Talking Mickey has some issues with communication. 
<laughs> because he couldn't really answer my questions the way I had hoped. I also, for some reason, thought he would be able to say my name because I had a magic band on. But no, he didn't, uh, he didn't have that ability. I probably would have broke out in tears if Mickey Mouse said my name, though. I probably wouldn't <laughs> have been able to handle it. Because Mickey's my absolute favorite Disney character. Um, and always has been since I was, like, you know, probably two days old, so. <laughs> That's an important thing. And I had my picture taken, and I purchased the picture from uh, PhotoPass. And I bought a frame in um, downtown Disney. And, um, not downtown Disney. Disney it's Springs. called Disney, Disney Springs, Springs now. Yep. Right. <laughs> I did go to Disney Springs also. Um, I'll talk about that more in a future episode. But um, the um, I went into the little shop where they have the Wonderground Gallery. And I found a really nice frame that looks like it has like mouse ears on it and everything. And I had, there's a, the photo studio is actually right next to there. And the cast member helped me pick the picture and she framed it for me and everything. And was really, really, really nice. One of the best cast members I dealt with the whole time I was there, in fact. And, um, yeah, so that was my take-home souvenir. I have a picture of me with Mickey, framed. And, yeah, so it'll be a memory that will last forever. And I'd like to just take the time to thank Mike so much for helping me make my trip so wonderful. My pleasure. And, um, yeah, and Ruth and Will, you've been pretty quiet this episode. Do you have any takeaways from everything I just said? <laughs> Ruth? Well, well, I'm kind of a little bit in the camp of your sister where I'm a little skeptical of using like an outside entity to plan my trip because, you know, I kind of pride myself on being like, you know, a Disney fan who, and I know how to get around these parks and things like that. But I think you've convinced me to try concierge next time I plan a Disney trip. Oh, you have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. You know, and we, we have people of all levels, the ones that love to plan the trip, and we just kind of give gentle advice as they as they go along. And those that are so busy, they're like, listen, we just want an awesome trip, and I have no time to plan anything. Do it all for me. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's a spectrum. And, uh, you know, we, we can plug in wherever, you know, you like us uh, in that spectrum. And Will... What are your takeaways from my experience at Disney? Well, I'm just glad you had a good time. Um, as, you know, someone who's worked with you for a few years, you know, doing Disney-related uh, stuff, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you got to go back, and it's it's uh, made made me happy to know that you went back there. And and uh, and you know, same with Ruthie. I mean, I'm not an outside source usually kind of person. I grew up in Florida, and I you know I I usually help my friends book their trip and stuff like that. But I can absolutely see the benefit of of going with concierge, I could definitely um, understand, you know, how it could make the trip better. So yeah, I might even try it as well on a future trip. I mean, we just we spent four hours, you know, on us on a Sunday uh, doing all this stuff and yeah, kind of tripping over ourselves trying to make it all work. And yeah, I could definitely well, the thing it, is, but. Will, I know you've never been to California. Well, you went for one day to DCA. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you've never had like a full Disneyland trip. Well, that's before. that's happening this year. So yeah. So uh, you should definitely use Mike because you know very yeah, well, little about Disneyland planning. Very true. And he can definitely help you there because again, he doesn't just do Disney World. He 
does it all, so. <laughs> Except for the Asian parks. Right. Because Disney actually doesn't own the Asian parks. Yeah, that's, that's why he doesn't do them. Those are country laws that they that, yeah. that foreign foreign country companies can't own property in those countries. So they uh, right. they license everything to Dis- Disney. License everything to them, but they're technically run by other companies, and and uh, right. so the authentic booking and all that is is not possible, unfortunately. Right. But I won't pro- probably won't be getting there anytime soon. Anyway, <laughs> I was lucky to get to Florida. <laughs> you do ABD vacations as well, right? Yes. Yeah, and I think they are they're adding a, a Japan one soon. I, that's what I've heard. It's Adventures so, by Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there there are some of those that are uh, tied. In. Adventures by Disney is so massive. I tell you, they've got like it's you know there's it's almost impossible to know everything they've got going on because there's so many different adventures and they're they're you know slightly um you know, inside each country you can you can you know adjust them a little bit i mean they've got them that combine with disney world and disneyland so if you want to do adventures mm-hmm. by disney in conjunction with a disneyland trip here in the u.s right uh you know you can go to sedona and places like that here in the u.s and do adventures by disney it's not all international but yeah, they've right. got some great, um, you know, stuff that links up with those Asian parks um, that are uh, that are great options. It's some really cool river cruises, like through Europe um, mm-hmm. right now, that mm-hmm. that aren't part of the Disney Cruise Line, but they're uh, riverboat cruises. Uh, just yeah. just massively cool stuff that um, uh, the adventures is. And you can you can link your Disney World vacation to a cruise, also. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they do have that. Um, Always recommend uh, the Disney Cruise at, uh, do that last. They're so relaxing, yeah. and your park mm. trips can kind of sometimes be a little hectic, you know, when you're running through the parks. Always end on your cruise uh, and, and finish right. off with the uh, the relaxation. Hmm. That's a great, yeah, great advice, yeah. I could have used a cruise after I went to <laughs> Disney, that's for sure. <laughs> So that concludes episode 90 of Jiminy Crickets. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to my adventures by Concy Ears <laughs> to, go to, to go to Walt Disney World for the first time in way too long. I hope I don't have to wait another 18 years. And I hope the next time I get to go to Disneyland, because as much as I love Disney World, and don't get me wrong, I adore Disney World, Disneyland is really my favorite. I can't deny that. So hopefully the next time I get to go to Disney, it will be in California. That'd be nice. Anyway, I just want to thank you, Mike, for joining us and for becoming the official travel planners of the Jiminy Crickets podcast and of my website. Is there anything you wanted to share with our listeners uh, going out tonight? That's it. I just thanks Chris for giving me the opportunity to help you with the vacation. It was a total blast getting to know you uh, through the process. That's another thing we love. We really get to know our families and and uh, you know going one vacation after another over time and, and it just it's been fun. And thanks for having me on the podcast today. And, and thank you, Ruthie and William as well. It was nice meeting you, man. Yeah, glad to have you. Thanks. Right. Um, and to, I have to give a shout out to my friends over at the Sweep Spot podcast, yeah. Lynn and Ken, because they uh, introduced me to Mike and they recommended 
that I check him out. So I would not have found Mike if they had not let me know about him. So we need to get the word out there. <laughs> you need vacation planning. Concierge. Don't forget it, everybody. They're wonderful. William, why don't you tell us all about your happenings on the WWW? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a weird segue, but I'll, I'll run with it. <laughs> uh, yes, I am the uh, host and senior producer of Sideshow Sound Radio, uh, which is part of SideshowSoundTheater.com, which is a podcast network, a composing house, and also a production studio that was founded by myself and my uh, creative partner, Wendell Jones. And yeah, you can find everything we do at SideshowSoundTheater.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at SideshowSound. And you can find me personally on Twitter. I am at Will underscore Dodson1. And Ruthie, where can everybody find you on the web? Well, I'm the co-host of a podcast along with my daughter where we watch and then discuss the Disney made-for-TV movies from the 80s called the Disney Sunday Movie Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook. And our website is DisneySundayMoviePodcast.com. And I'm on Facebook. I'm Ruthie Brown. You can find me on the web on Twitter at DisneyChris73. On Facebook, I'm Chris Linden. That's L-Y-N-D-O-N, as in Lyndon Johnson, who I just happened to have seen recently in the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> My website is DisneyChris.com, home of the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour. And my um, channel on YouTube is DisneyChris.com, spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. And on there I do a bi-weekly update of the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour. Plus, I've started posting episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast on my YouTube channel. So that's an alternate way you can go listen to the show. And like I said... We are going to have an ongoing series over the next month or so of Ruth and I discussing in more detail some of the attractions that I saw because we both recently went to Disney World. So we both have a lot to say about the changes that we've noticed and everything about individual attractions and things like that. So look for those coming out, you know, very soon. Those will be in addition to our regular podcast. And they will be unedited. They're just going to be Ruth and I talking. You'll hear all our coughing, all of our <laughs> stuttering on our words. It's more of a blooper reel than anything else. <laughs> so look for those. I was just going to say, don't forget to mention uh, your new podcast coming out, Chris, uh, where you highlight all your favorite cheerleading moves um, from, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> around the world. Right. One, two, tell me, who are you? The Bears. <laughs> there you go. That's from the Brady Bunch. It shows my age that I know that. <laughs> the bunch. Yes. Ruth, where can everybody find Jiminy Crickets on the web? You can find all of our past shows on our website at jcricketpodcast.blogspot.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes at Jiminy Crickets. That's with an exclamation point, And be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can also email us your comments or questions at JiminyCricketsPodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And we have a new Facebook page, Jiminy Crickets Podcast, so ask to join and we'll add you. Yes, we only have like 77 members. Come on, people. We want some people in our Facebook group so we can talk to you. 
more interaction. That's my goal for 2018. More interaction with our audience. So, Mike, do you have any final words for tonight's show? Okay, well, uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, superhero designers, uh, Edna Mode, always says, I never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. (laughs) So keep looking forward and enjoy your time now. Right. Good advice, Edna. And I'd have to say she's my favorite superhero costume designer as well, but I don't know of any others. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Will, what are your final words for today? (laughs) Hi-ho! I heard that a few times in Fantasyland. (laughs) I'm sure you did. And Ruth, what are your final words for today? Thanks for coming on, Mike, and telling us what you do. I'm really intrigued, and I hope to uh, reach out to you guys soon. And thanks for um, bringing us along with you on your trip, Chris. And thanks for listening, everybody. And always let your conscience be your guide. When your heart is in your dream, no request is too.